Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi everyone, welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobber and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration. The purpose of my company is to help business software companies rethink what can be to become remarkable again. The goal that I have in this podcast is to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. So my strong belief is that we can think big, and therefore we should. And doing so will help to create a better world for all of us. And this podcast is all about that. The guest on my podcast this week is Tim Willis, CFO and Head of Growth of Aerobotics. Aerobotics effectively takes aerial images of mainly agricultural areas. So we collect those images using drones and satellites and potentially even aeroplanes. You're looking at farms that are hundreds of hectares big and some like some farmers can't get through the entire farm in three days. Farmers have a real struggle in terms of managing their overall farm. You know, if they don't have technology, they have to basically walk around or drive around their farm, try and identify areas uh, that could be potentially mismanaged and employ like large scouting teams to work in their farm. With our technology, they're able to basically manage their farm from their office. If we look at the overall picture in the world, you know, there's obviously, you know, scarce, you know, food's going to be a scarce resource. And, I'm, and I don't think we're going to solve that by ourselves, but we're definitely going to be a player in, in the combination of solutions that solves that problem. This system. He's a CFO and head of growth of Aerobotics, an AI startup from South Africa. He is charged with growing Aerobotics' non-core markets, as well as their global expansion efforts. He has built his financial management expertise at both Deloitte and Uber, where he has led its analytics and strategy central operations team for Europe, Middle East and Africa. During this podcast interview, we will explore how technology can add significant value by augmenting farmers across the world to increase their yields but at the same time becoming more efficient. We'll also look into the wider value implication that this can have across the supply chain and how other non-farming related industries can be served uniquely as a byproduct of the intelligence gained. By listening to this podcast, you will learn three things. Firstly, by focusing on outcomes, not outputs, is the secret to creating a sustainable business. Secondly, by focusing on just a thin slice of the market is key to dominate it profitably. And thirdly, that less is always more. In other words, there will always be 100 to 200 things you'd like or you think you'd have to do with your software, but identifying the 10 that will truly move the needle is the most critical thing. So to get the podcast going, Tim, can you introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about your background? So I am the, the CFO and the, and the head of growth at Aerobotics. And I, and as my, in my role as CFO, I oversee the finance team, sort of our HR function and, and a couple of other smaller things. 
And then as in my role as head of growth, I basically look after what we call non-core, non-vanilla revenue. So it's, it's everything that's not in our core markets. So it's things like expansion of the business so outside, of, outside into, into new markets. And then uh, things that are not our normal way of doing business. So we usually sell to farming groups or farming or farmers directly. So whenever we are talking to, for instance, a bank or an insurance company, that falls into, into my portfolio. Yeah. Uh, maybe just to give you like a little bit of history about like where I come from. So I studied in South Africa and I did, I worked at Deloitte for four and a half years in, in financial audit. And I then made quite a big, quite a big move. I, I, I went to Uber um, and I, okay. and I worked in the sub-Saharan Africa team for two years doing a number of roles, but I sort of ended there uh, leading the central operations team for sub-Saharan Africa. I then spent six months in the, out of based out of Amsterdam, uh, running the Europe, Middle East, and Africa, well, component of the Europe, Middle East, and Africa operations team, uh, specifically the strategy and analytics function. Cool. And then I decided to join Aerobotics because I just felt that being in a younger, smaller startup was the most exciting thing I could do. And I was young, and I decided I needed to take take risk and have fun. And that's why I'm here today. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that, that's an interesting story in itself. What, what's your passion? Why did you go for, for a company like Aerobotics? So I think, I think two things. So one, it allowed me to stay in tech, which I really enjoy and I think is the future and I always want to be involved in tech businesses. And the second one is it allowed me to, to practice what I'd obviously studied and learned at Deloitte, which was accounting. So a combination of tech and uh, the finance aspect just felt like a, a, you know, a great fit for me at Aerobotics. And then I think Aerobotics as a company is, is, you know, a super exciting, super exciting business. You know, it's, it's, it's a South African company building world-class technology, you know, which, which companies like Google, et cetera, are recognizing now. And so- you know, to be part of something like that, I think is is a huge opportunity, and you know, something that I really wanted to wanted to be part of and 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 build. Yeah. Well, talking about the robotics and uh, and that it, it's a cool company. What is the big idea be- behind uh, robotics? Okay. Cool. So, uh, like. Aerobotics effectively takes aerial images of mainly agricultural areas. So we collect those images using drones and satellites and potentially even aeroplanes. And then what we do is we take those images and we run them through our machine learning algorithms. And that's where where our real sort of intellectual property sits. And once we've run them through through those algorithms, we then deliver insights back to farmers. So farmers are primary customers and and they are the ones who we send the information to uh, directly. Mm -hmm. However, we also have secondary customers who are looking to use the data that we're collecting. We have secondary customers that are looking to use the data as well. So people like banking institutions are looking to use the data that we're providing to minimize or to reduce interest rates that farmers are paying on on their loans, given the risk mitigation. Insurance companies are thinking about reducing risk premiums, again, given the fact that, that you know, there's less risk. And the other industry that's picked up on this is the insurance industry. So auditing firms are starting to think about using this to count trees and value 
value crops. Okay. But, well, I mean, I understand that you like what you do, but, but why is there a need for this? Why is it important that the technology like aerobotics providing is, is, is available on the market? What's the big problem out there? Cool. So I think the biggest issue is that, that today farmers have a real struggle in terms of managing their overall farm. You know, if they don't have technology, they have to basically walk around or drive around their farm, try and identify areas uh, that could be potentially mismanaged and employ like large scouting teams to work in their farm. With our technology, they're able to basically manage their farm from their office. They can pull up the entire a farm with all their orchards and they're able to look at where the trees are which ones are healthy which ones aren't healthy and they are able to and from that they can actually start to identify where they want to be in their farms where they want to scout and and where they want to spend their time so it's basically a combination of improving their risk mitigation so today they don't have a good way of identifying pests and disease early on our software allows them to do that And the second thing is it allows them to be more efficient so that when they're more efficient, then they are able to, you know, like produce higher yields. Okay. And these are, of course, pretty important to a farmer. If you talk about the the, the size of an average farmer out there, I mean, what is the scale? scale? Because it's like really driving around with cars. and. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, you're looking at farms that are hundreds of hectares big and some like some farmers can't get through the entire farm in three days. So if you are currently having to drive through your entire farm and it takes you, you know, three days just to drive around your farm, how are you ever going to find the one tree in, in, in literally thousands of trees that is sick and needs help? And that's what our technology allows you to do. It allows you to be precise and pinpoint the trees that need help. And, you know, once you've identified those trees, you can then get out into the field and actually like sort out the problem areas instead of trying to find the problems. You know, and I think I think technology generally is that's one of the big things with technology is it helps people be more precise and more efficient. And this is just that exact premise in the agricultural space. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very good example of how technology can augment a farmer you know, to get far better results. Have you got... I mean, if you look at, for example, a before and after for a particular customer of yours, I mean, what is the impact? Is that, is, have, you, have you already been able to, to quantify it? Yeah. So, I mean, like we've, we've done a lot of discussions with our farmers. And I think the biggest metric that we have that suggests that we're making an impact is we have very, very low churn. So almost less than 5% annual churn, which is extremely low in like the tech space. So almost everybody who who uses uses our system doesn't look you know doesn't look back. What we're trying to do at the moment with our algorithms, and this is a bit crop specific, and it's why it's taking us a little bit longer, is we're trying to predict yield. So basically, through our images today, we can tell you where you have healthy trees and sick trees, but we can't tell you how much fruit is on those trees. Mm-hmm. And so our aim in the future is to actually be able to predict what your yield will be based off our images so and if we can do that then we you know we we have a lot of forward-looking information which is extremely useful not only to farmers but also to people down the value chain so people exporting fruit you know retail stores that are trying to forecast whether they need to bring in you know or go and get contracts overseas to source fruit instead of like having to get it from you know locally 
So there's a number of different values that that can do. We predict that we'll be able to do this at least for our main crop types, which is probably citrus uh, by the end of the year. So, I mean, that's a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah. And if you, if you talk about the mitigation side, where farmers, for example, before they started using your solution, they had, of course, a particular percentage of, of crop that was possibly dying or, or causing issues. Have you already seen there uh, the impacts of that? And, and are there any percentages that uh, that customers have shared with you? Yeah. So, I mean, I think I think the biggest thing is that that we are improving the way farmers are working because they're sticking with the platform. And when we speak to them, they're extremely positive about the way in which the the way in which the platform is working. It's it's difficult to explain, but effectively, you've got like you know, like buttons on top of each of the trees and those buttons, depending on the view, tell you different things. So for example, in like the health view, it tells you, you know, which of the trees is healthy, uh, you know, being very green and which of the trees are, are, you know, unhealthy or sick, being very red. The, The other views, like how big are the trees? So what's the canopy size of those trees? We can also tell you how well your field is watered. So we can tell you where the water is in your field. Again, which helps with things like irrigation. So in the Western Cape at the moment, there's quite a significant drought. I'm sure you've heard about it. And a lot of farmers are struggling with that. So they have a scarce amount of water, which they have to allocate to their farm. Using our system, they can actually identify which are under-irrigated areas in their farm. And then they can allocate the water that they do have to those under-irrigated parts of the farm. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I've learned or read about a couple of months ago, I think, was that there are, for example, fertilizer producers that now start to uh, change their business model from output-based, like the number of bags of fertilizer, to outcome-based, which is uh, that they actually take care of, well, the quality of of the the crop with their fertilizer. Are they using your solution as well to to figure out, well, how they can improve their, their services? Yeah, so it's it's something that we're looking at, uh, partnerships with fertilizing agents. The one thing that we do use that we do work with quite a lot is farm consultants. So uh, a lot of farmers have consultants who identify different, you know, try and pull the things together. So they they have they work with the fertilizing agents to determine how much fertilizer is required. And they work with us to identify, you know, where the areas are that are under-fertilized, et cetera. Yeah. But definitely something that we're looking to do in the future. Uh, it's an interesting one that you say going on risk basically to to provide a service and depending on how well you know your service helps, you can then earn potentially a higher margin. That's something that we we would think about doing in the future once we are more confident with our yield predictions, because it's definitely a you know a clear way of partnering with farmers to deliver value. Exactly. That's what it at the end is all about. So from, from the, the journey that the company has got, been through, from the initial idea, the aha moment to where you are today, can you run through that? What are the, what are the big moments, the, the big milestones? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think firstly, like maybe just to recap on like the founders, James Patterson and Benji Meltzer. So uh, they both studied mechatronics engineering at UCT. Benji went on to study neuroscience at Imperial College in London, and James did aeronautical engineering in, at MIT. Mm-hmm. And then when they got back to South Africa, they basically looked at, at uh, you know, how could they work together with the skill set? Uh, and they started 
building drones, so actually building the hardware that flies over farms. Yeah. Once they had done that, they realized that they needed software because it was cool to fly a drone over a farm, but without the software to actually use, it was going to not be that, you know, it was going to be difficult to commercialize. And then the company pivoted about a year ago to being a fully a software player, and we have stopped building all the hardware. And we are focusing just on building up a soft, the software that, that, and that's really what has allowed us to scale. So I think it wasn't quite, you know, when the business started, the route to market wasn't necessarily clear. But I think today, you know, we have a very clear strategy and a very clear route to market. Yeah, that's an interesting one itself. I've heard it before in other, in other podcasts as well. But at the end, it's about finding the sweet spot where you can deliver most value. Yeah, um, exactly. So, yeah, how did you, how did the, um, what did the company do to, to get to where you are today what, and, and doing the things right that uh, the market is, well, if Google is, is picking up on you and companies like that, there's something that you do really, really well. Yeah, so I mean, I think the thing that is our kind of like our main part is is the data science. So the machine learning algorithms, which we've built, you know, that is the most valuable part of, of the business today. And I think that investing in, in great data scientists and really spending a lot of time, uh, what we call ground truthing the models. So going out into the field and checking that, uh, you know, the predictions are, are accurate. That's what's really set us apart from the rest. And I think the latest uh, strategic change that we have made is to focus specifically on tree crops. So although our software is useful for field crops, which is things like corn and wheat and sugarcane, we actually have taken a specific focus to really try and hone in on, on tree crops, which is things like citrus and macadamia nuts, etc. Yeah. And like just if I give you some overall stats in the world, there's about 1.35 billion hectares of harvested harvested hectares every year. Yeah. Of that, only 125 million of those hectares are actually tree crops. So a lot of people who come into the space go for kind of the 90%, which is field crops. And there are very few providers in the tree crop space. So we've strategically chosen to play in that space given that there's not a lot of people in this and it's an underserved market and something that we can do exceptionally well. So a combination of like us being exceptional at it and, you know, low, I suppose, a low, low competition in that particular space of the, of the market really has allowed us to excel over the past year. Smart. That's a wise choice to make. It makes you unbeatable there, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> So what did you learn? What are the hard, the, hard the, the tough lessons that you've learned over the last year in becoming where you are? Yeah, I mean, I think the business has had some tough, tough choices to make. So I, the business got seed funding about a year ago, so just under a million dollars. And we're currently raising our Series A fundraising for $2 million. So, you know, there's, there's quite a big impact there. I think the fact of going from a small business which didn't have, you know, much investment to a company that now had cash, but you know, not a ton of cash was quite a big hurdle for the guys to get through. And I think generally they spent the money wisely, but probably too slowly. So that's a big learning is 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 that, you know, with these things you really need to give it a give it a good go once you've got cash in the bank and expand as quickly as possible. So I think 
taking that learning and and looking forward everybody like basically of the three of the four executive members three of us all have revenue targets and portfolios basically so we're all trying to bring in bring in revenue and grow the business and then one person is basically focused on the data science models you know and that and that's extremely important because previously we probably had too many people focused on different parts of the business which weren't generating revenue and at the end of the day the whole business is about sales so the more the more revenue we can pull through the door you know using this funding as well the stronger the business will be in the future sure exactly so since it's it's a subscription based model for farmers i would say but also of course for uh, for some yeah some side markets like insurance you're talking about I mean, how does this scale? Is this something that that only at the moment is available in South Africa, or is it also available in other parts of the world? So we currently serve clients in eleven countries around the world, so places like India and Russia, the UK, and Australia and Chile are just as some examples. However, ninety percent of our revenue comes from South Africa. So post our Series A, we're actually planning a big push into the countries that we've seen good traction in so far and we're going to aim to like really expand and grow into those countries yeah smart and sorry one other thing is just given that it's a web-based model we are obviously able to serve anybody in the world so we have a global a global product that is extremely scalable because you can basically turn this on you know in india and you can start getting you know metrics and and support about your you know, analytics on your farm. Yeah, exactly. So how we, how does it work with the drones then? Is that something that you operate as well? Or is it something that is automated so, through through the, uh, the technology? Yeah, so I think this goes back to our core markets and our non-core markets. So in our core markets, we have drone operators. So today in South Africa, if you phone us up and say, I want a flight, we can do that for you within 48 hours. We use third parties. And this is the main differentiation basically for us between a core and a non-core market. Everywhere else, you have to fly your own drone or get a drone operator yourself to capture the details. But what we're doing as part of our expansion is trying to set up these drone operator networks so that we can provide that level of service you know, in other markets. And once we have that drone operator network in place, we're basically transitioning that into a core market that we then focus on. Are there any learnings or any... I mean, is the data getting richer and richer independent of location or is it very location specific? So I think it's, I think it's crop specific. So the more, the more data, sure. the more farms that we get in a certain crop type. So for instance, if we have a lot of orange farmers, then that, you know, improves our machine learning models for orange farmers, basically. Mm-hmm. So the more, the more hectares under management that we can get of any single crop is definitely a big plus for us because that's what we're trying to do. Cool. What are you most proud of achieving so far with the solution? I mean, what is a, what is a cool anecdote that is a memorable one? I mean, I think our biggest achievement so far is, is, is and probably not, not necessarily just from our tech, but from a team perspective is being selected for the Google Launchpad Accelerator program. So they select 24 companies or 24 startups around around the world and developing markets and uh, we got selected for that so that okay. that's been a huge value add to our business a, a lot of mentoring and a lot of in, interest from from Google and 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 their partners in terms of in the field i think what we're seeing is is you know a huge amount of positive sentiment and a huge amount of interest from specifically in south africa but in the in the local press 
So a lot of people are talking about our product and and what we're doing. Yeah, and uh, just super exciting to 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 see where it goes from here. Yeah, this is the future of farming, right? For sure, <laughs> definitely. And, and I mean, if we look at the overall picture in the world, you know, there's obviously you know scarce. You know, food's going to be a scarce resource, and I'm, and I don't think we're going to solve that by ourselves. But we're definitely going to be a player in in the combination of solutions that solves that problem. Yeah, I mean, if it, the moment it scales the right way and farmers pick it up and start using it, that will have an incredible in, uh, increase in terms of, uh, well, the, the crop yield itself, but also the mitigation that, that's taking place. That's also the discussion you had earlier on around being able to inform the retail markets, for example, what's coming or what's not coming. And uh, Exactly, exactly. And that, of course, goes also into into people that really need the food and whether there's whether you can actually prevent bad things from happening. So this is an interesting area to follow. A couple of last questions. Mm. Since you're an ISV working on these, these, well, the latest and greatest level of technology on the edge, what would be advice you would give other ISVs if they have to rethink their, their future? What would you do or not do? So I think I think the biggest thing that we focused on is, and it's still it's still a challenge for us. So this is still something that we're figuring out and, and working on, but it's really identifying core parts of our product that we that we focus on. So for instance, you know we have a laundry list of you know probably a hundred to two hundred things that we'd like to do with our software and with our product, but identifying the ten that will move the needle the most exactly. is like the most critical thing and like investing all our resources into that. So for instance, those 10 are not just a, it doesn't just take a software developer anymore to do something. It's a, it's a combination of software development, data science, marketing, sales. What do we actually think will move, you know, the revenue needle as well. So identifying the 10 biggest improvements that really help. I think that that is where we, that that's an area that we know we need to get better at, but it's definitely the advice that I'd give to any kind of, you know, software vendor starting out is try and identify what really moves the needle and not just what, what, you know, is out there and, and looks cool at any given point. Yeah. I can assure you, this is not only for startups. This is also for established companies, maybe even yeah. more. <laughs> well, it was definitely something at Uber that I noticed was was always a challenge is you had like multiple product teams. So you probably had like 20 to 30 different product teams, each of them kind of building independently. And often where, you know, it it was questionable whether they were building the most important things for the business. And I think that having a more kind of coordinated approach would, would definitely help. So that's something that we're trying to do at Aerobotics. Exactly. That's good advice. So what's next? What are you, what is your next big milestone? So the next big one is closing our series A funding round. So hopefully we'll, we'll get the cash. And once we've done that, probably hiring up our team, we currently have 20 people in our team. We're going to try and scale that to 60 within a year and probably go into at least five or six new countries. So the U S is probably one of them. Australia is probably another and we'd try and get a footprint in Europe as well you know, and, and really get those markets up and running and have good businesses in each of those markets, you know, within a year. So, so you know, big challenges for us, but nothing that we don't think is possible. Of course, that's all about it. If you have the good the products, then the rest is, uh, is execution, eh? they say. Exactly, so, exactly. So, so looking at what you're doing and where you, where you try to take things next, 
if there was anything the audience could do for you in terms of providing you feedback or, or helping you with, with something, what would be your big ask? I mean, obviously, if the audience is farmers, to please try and test our product. If they're not, I think it's to probably think about how we could apply the software that we are building in their current industry. So a lot of industries are actually linked to agriculture. So banking, insurance, retail, all of these things have a link back to agriculture because it's a basic kind of primary sector. And we are looking to partner with companies and, and people who have the ability to scale us through a number of farms, you know, immediately. So if someone from the audience, for instance, is in a bank and, and potentially, you know, thinks that this could be a cool way of, of, of reducing risk and adding value to, to farmers, we'd be very keen to have that conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating to start thinking about what, what could be if you apply this technology in other areas. And it's, as you said, it's not only related to farming itself. There's, there's so many organizations linked to this that could benefit from better, better crop yield or, uh, or mitigation of risks. Thank you very yeah. much. This was really interesting. Cool. Thank you. And it was great. It was great chatting. It's like always, it's always good to chat the, to, to people about your business because I think it crystallizes some of the, some of the things that you're thinking about as well. <laughs> yeah. I think I can agree with that. So thanks, Tim. And to everybody else, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Tim Willis, CFO and Head of Growth at Aerobotics. You can find more about Tim in a variety of ways. He's, of course, available on LinkedIn. But the other thing you could do is to simply go to their website, which you can find at www.aerobotics.io. The goal of this podcast is to share compelling ideas and showcases to inspire what can be when technology and people blend in the right way. It's my strong belief that too much focus is put on automating people out of a process, in other words, cutting costs, rather than scenarios where the unique strength of people are augmented with technology to change the established rules and to deliver a value that was unimaginable before. So with this podcast, I want to make a contribution to change this, to create a broader awareness of what can be, to accelerate the adoption by bringing together you, a tribe of like-minded people and organizations, and lastly, to accelerate the initiatives and solutions that could be created because one idea inspires the other. So if you know about stories that are worth sharing, please send me a message. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas, and that starts with you. If you want to have more information, read my blogs, or obtain information on working with me, just visit me on my website, valueinspiration.com. Thank you for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast or provide me with your feedback. I'll see you shortly in a new episode. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.